0: Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to the Safety Crew.
1: Today, I'm very excited to have with me Anna Devena. She's a sleep expert and consultant. has been in this space for well over 20 years. has worked across many different industries as well as in her non-profit work. and The, the quote on her website that really caught my attention it was from "Sleepless to Sleep Superstar." Anna, welcome to the show. Really important topic to talk about, which is around sleep, tiredness, has so many impacts on safety and well-being. Uh, So maybe why don't you start out by by sharing a little bit about your journey in the sleep space and and we'll take it from there. It's
2: great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I would say that my journey began as a sleepless teenager and... (laughs) In my early 20s, as a result of lack of sleep for over 11 years, I had a breakdown, mental and physical, and ended up collapsing in public. And I was taken to hospital and diagnosed with some quite serious autoimmune conditions. And I did a big review of my life and Mm -hmm. realized things needed to change. Um, When I was offered meds and told I'd have to take them for the rest of my life, I said no. And Mm. decided that I really wanted to learn how to recover from the sleeplessness that I'd endured and just live a really healthy life. Because I could still remember back to when I was younger and, and was able to sleep very well. And... I just knew that I could get back there. And so Uh I changed course and studied natural medicine, mainly for my own knowledge and my own recovery. And after applying Uh that for a few years, I fully recovered and then decided I really wanted to help others with this issue where there was very little help at that time. And... Mm. And so I started in schools because for me, when I looked back, I thought, wow, we're meant to spend one third of our lives asleep. Mm -hmm. And yet I didn't receive any sleep education. And that's the primary reason I got into such difficulty. And so I decided I wanted to be part of changing that in the world. And Mm -hmm. I began working with kids and teenagers first, which I did for years And then adults asked me if I could run courses for them. And then I started working with one-on-one clients more and more Mm -hmm. and developed very successful private practices throughout the world. So I've lived in quite a few different places and, and essentially the work that I do now for groups, I do still Mm -hmm. work with uh, people one-on-one and I've got some products and, um, and then I work with groups, is really a distillation of all the work I've done with individuals over the past 20-odd years. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just very takeaway-orientated. So people can elicit change immediately, and that's what I'm about. You know, I can have a five-minute conversation <laughs> with someone at the grocery store and just... Mm-hmm tune in and give them that little bit of knowledge they need to make a shift. And so one of my biggest messages is we all have a natural ability to sleep well. Hmm. And when we can tap into that and support that, then we can shift so much and literally change our entire life. Because when we change our sleep, we change our health, we change our outlook, we change our relationships, our productivity, everything. Um, and so that's for me a very important message for people to get that it's not rocket science, but we're very much out of sync at the moment. We're in a global sleep loss epidemic, it's worsening mm-hmm. every year. So we really need to
1: be focusing on this. It, definitely. And we hear more and more about the impact of sleep. Um, and when we think about in the safety space, there's there's a lot of safety implications. If you've got some uh, sleep um, deficit, I'm thinking also about a lot of the work that, that people are doing that has high risk tends to involve shifts, which also has its own uh, impact around sleep. Uh, and there's also an impact on executives. So can you maybe share a little bit about the importance of sleep um, and how we can impact Safety, performance, and, and cultural role?
2: Well, I think one of the easiest ways to look at it is that when we lose sleep, when we don't get the amount of sleep we need, we're essentially acting in the same way as when we're drunk. And so right. we have very slow um, reflexes. Our brain doesn't. Um, make good decisions all of our executive functions are impaired and actually mm. we just we become dysfunctional on so many levels so being tired in a way isn't the worst thing it's really our ability to respond to recognize where we are fully and what's needed from us at you know, on all levels. And so if you're operating machinery, I worked with a lot of, um, when I lived in New Zealand, I lived at a Mm -hmm. port in Nelson and I worked with a lot of men who worked at the port and there were accidents because they weren't able to respond or they were driving machinery and didn't um, drive the machinery well enough. I had one guy who was in charge of a large, um, a room full of machinery and he said to me when he came to me for help he said you know someone almost died a few weeks ago because I was so fatigued I couldn't see how dangerous that situation was and I was supposed to be overseeing you know all the workings in this room so there's I think on every level from the person operating the machinery to the people overseeing um, any kind of environment where there's dangerous equipment being run, Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of risks. And then there's risks, say, for the CEO running a company who can't Mm -hmm. keep that long-term vision and perspective when he's making decisions today. And... Mm. McKinsey did a study involving 190,000 individuals across 91 companies. And they found that sleep-deprived brains lose the ability to make accurate judgments, which then lead to irrational and unjustified claims, and I'm quoting here, such as, I don't need sleep. I'm doing fine with just a few hours of sleep. And so what happens is the brain is so dysfunctional that the sleepless person can't even realize they're sleep-deprived. And I think Mm. there lies one of the greatest dangers of sleep deprivation.
1: Interesting. And the the other element is if I think of a lot of higher-risk roles, there's a lot of shifts. Uh, People maybe are working through the night. Maybe they're alternating from day shifts to night shifts. How does that impact somebody's ability to to rest and to, to really recover through sleep?
2: So shift workers really have the worst end of the stick in many ways. Mm. Um, Matthew Walker talks about it a fair bit. You know they're they're at much higher risk of of dying than anyone because their body clock and their brains are just so <sighs> scrambled, you could say. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I have worked with many shift workers and I'm appalled at the mm-hmm. lack of consideration for basic human needs. Honestly, mm. I, I'm absolutely shocked. And then people like nurses and doctors who are, you know performing surgeries or um procedures that are potentially life-threatening and having to make decisions that really impact people and they not having the cognitive ability and even the physical coordination to be able to function properly to me this is one of the most um kind of disappointing and astounding aspects Mm -hmm. of society really that we're not protecting people more and particularly shift workers like there's very simple things that they could do for shift workers which I know that quite a few companies are starting to Mm
0: -hmm.
2: do now but you know keeping the the same shift for a week rather than doing three different shifts in a week allows the body to at least get some rest in a rhythmical manner Mm -hmm. whereas if you're doing three different kinds of shifts in a week, it's almost impossible to get the rest that you need to function properly. But Mm
1: -hmm.
2: if you are diligent and you are very careful about how you manage the time, your downtime, then you can at least get deep rest. And I think that deep rest isn't respected enough and you know people think if i'm not asleep then it's a waste of time but actually if we (laughs) know and train ourselves to rest deeply that can then turn into sleep but deep rest in itself is extremely valuable back to your question you know shift workers need to learn the skills needed to switch off quickly more than anyone else on the planet. They really need that because their downtime is so precious. And so they don't have the luxury of hours of agitation that they can't, Mm. you know, they just don't have it. They've got to be back at work in X amount of hours. So they need to understand how to support their bodies down out of high stress which is where everybody, and when I say everybody is, I mean our bodies go into very high stress and high inflammation when we're sleep-deprived. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: it's just so critical that shift workers know how to bring that inflammation down and how to bring the stress hormones down and then come into a state of deep rest where sleep is possible.
1: And you've got some other elements that also mixing into it. For example, uh, maybe their, their rest time is when the sun starts coming up and all the lights up and, and activity noise is higher because that's where most people are active. So you've got all sorts of other things. I'm even thinking about airline crews that are flying all sorts of different hours, time zones, jet lag. Uh, all of these pieces really require some, like I mentioned, some degree of awareness training in terms of, of tactics.
2: And then carrying, you know, a kit with them where they can, you know, make a room, a room they can rest in. Because if we just, mm-hmm. if we just go willy nilly without being prepared, then we could lose that time that we could be sleeping, where a pair of earplugs, an eye mask and some tape. Tape is something that I tell everyone who's sleeping in hotel rooms or, you know, unfamiliar places that they should take some black tape. It doesn't yeah. leave marks on things, so they can black out the room or cover over bright light shining down on them or out of the wall. Um, yeah, so just those three things um, can yeah. make a massive difference when you're travelling. And then also knowing how to manage um, time zones, how to prepare for travel. But obviously that's a bit different. But although shift sure. workers sometimes are travelling over time zones, yep. um Fly in and fly out, people. So, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, gets a good segue into getting into a little bit of the the elements that an organization can do in terms of bringing sleep as part of a of a wellness or a safety program. What are some of the best practices that you've seen in this space?
2: Well, I think that the first thing that needs to be acknowledged is that sleep and work aren't separate. You know, I think for for too long companies have thought of sleep as something outside of any realm that they need to address, which having worked with thousands of people, the impact that work has on someone's sleep, I've seen firsthand the number of people who can't get to sleep, who lie there thinking, worrying, um, or problem-solving in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night for their job because they're so committed or they're so stressed or they're just so impacted by their work or inspired. You know, I've had quite Mm -hmm. a lot of clients who are just overly inspired to the point where (laughs) they can't sleep. So it's not always a negative. but um, Sure. So I think companies need to acknowledge that sleep is – impacted by work and Mm -hmm. work is impacted by sleep length and quality hugely you know if their employees are turning up tired it's costing them in many ways and deloitte access economics um, did a study combined with the australian sleep foundation and the report the final report was aptly named asleep on the job.
1: Hmm.
2: And they actually quantified the cost of insufficient sleep in Australia, and this was in 2016 to, to 2017, and yep. just the productivity loss of productivity costs Australia 18 billion a year.
1: Hmm.
2: So that's that's huge. And sure so if we think about it, you know, what, what sleeplessness is costing us, um, professionally and personally, it's, it's, it's even, it's just hard to quantify really, because if you're living your days feeling exhausted, unable to be present, um, afraid of making a mistake or even just making mistakes that have pretty serious impact, then, you know, that's not really living. So right. I think there needs to be a shift in how people view sleep and and any company that wants to help um, their employees be well Mm -hmm. then sleep needs to actually come right up to the top of priorities because, you know, traditionally diet and exercise and weight loss are areas that wellness programs have covered. Mm -hmm. And sleep has a massive impact on all three of those areas. If you don't get sufficient sleep, your diet just goes out the window. You actually don't have control over what you eat. Because all the peptides that control appetite are just completely thrown and you put on weight and exercise can be detrimental when we haven't had sufficient sleep. If we do it in a way that elevates our stress, for instance, or if we do it at the wrong time of day or it just doesn't get done at all because we're so tired. So like (laughs) sleep needs to be the foundation of a wellness program. That's my um, opinion after so many years working in this industry and, and it's time. And I feel that people are starting to wake up to this fact. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for Matthew Walker, who's written the fantastic book, why we sleep. That's a great read for anyone because we all sleep. (laughs) I do want to, um, I just want a little warning there for people who read it to be aware that you might become absolutely terrified of not getting enough sleep when you read it because he goes <laughs> into all the nitty gritties of what happens to our bodies and our minds when we don't, when we don't get the sleep we need. Wow.
1: So it's so definitely something to, to read, to, to, to provoke thinking in that space.
0: This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you, has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com.
1: So, so in a wellness program, it sounds like there's elements around teaching people the importance of sleep. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but also some strategies around how to get better sleep and maybe recon- recognize signs of fatigue. Is, are, are those the types of themes that typically are covered?
2: Yes. Yeah. Um... I think that people need to understand why sleep is important and not just getting sufficient sleep, but sufficient quality sleep. There's too much emphasis put on the length of sleep we're getting and not enough at all on the quality of sleep we're getting. And if we flip that around and focus on getting quality sleep, then we will naturally get the length of sleep we need. And that's that's something people need to become more aware of, that you can sleep seven to eight hours and still wake up tired. In fact, when I do my pre-course survey, about mm-hmm. 60% of participants report that they're getting around seven hours of sleep but still waking up tired. And so this is this is part of the epidemic that we're now in, that people um, might be in bed for that time, perhaps asleep, but the amount of quality sleep they're getting, the amount of deep sleep they're getting, is way way lower than what they need to truly rejuvenate while they're sleeping.
1: Interesting. It it, it makes me think that there's also a need for awareness at, at the in the, the boardroom level in terms of decision making because. There is impacts that the organization create uh, that have an impact on safety around, we talked about before, shifts and, and shift patterns. The other thing that comes to mind is around overtime, which can be a delicate balance because sometimes the overtime can be very high remuneration for the employee and, and they see it as an encroachment. But if you're working an 18 hour day or 24 hour days uh, and, and getting minimal rest and recovery, it strikes me that in a high risk role, that's incredibly dangerous. Actually, probably in any role, not just in a high-risk role.
2: Yes, it is. Um, and I've seen a lot of people compromising their health and their well-being mm-hmm. and their capacity to perform at an optimum level, taking shifts, doing overtime, or just saying yes because they're afraid of losing their job if they say no.
1: Right.
2: That's, that's, a, that's something that happens. You know, there's bullying. People know that they shouldn't take it, but they're afraid to say no or Mm -hmm. they're afraid not to do it for fear of losing their job. So in terms of a company culture, that needs to be interwoven so that people aren't afraid. You know, that, that people are able to really take stock of how they are and make a decision that reflects their ability not oh god I better say yes because otherwise my job's at risk sure I mean that's that that kind of company culture is beyond toxic
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: yeah that kind of thing just so so needs to change
1: And, and I've seen it even at a crew level that that so there's a corporate culture and then there can also be team dynamics that create um, that need to be in check where, where somebody's like do "You just do the extra or just push a little bit harder or something like that, that, that can also be toxic.
2: Yeah, yeah. And if you've got a leader of your team who's doing over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, many extra hours and kind of creating this, we don't need sleep, I don't need sleep, so you shouldn't need sleep, what's wrong with you type thing. Um, yep. Wearing this badge almost of um, being a hero for operating on very little sleep. That's extremely right. dangerous. And and just on that note, there is a small percentage of the population. Um, mm-hmm. 3% of the population have a gene that make it possible for them to function normally on six hours sleep. And so if you've got them as a team leader, if you've got one of them <laughs> as a team leader, that's that's a pretty um, scary position to be in right. because then you start trying to exist on the same amount of sleep as one of these people. Sure. But if you look at burnout now and the prevalence mm-hmm. of burnout now, it's compared to even just 10 years ago, it's, it's so much more prevalent. And I think since COVID, our stress levels are so much higher and there is a direct link to high stress and lack of sleep and those they feed each other. So generally, lack of sleep will start occurring due to some kind of heightened stress. And then mm. if we don't have the skills and the ability to get out of that cycle then one just feeds the other lack of sleep feeds the high stress the high stress leads to more lack of sleep and then it just goes on and on and on and people feel they can't get out but they also just start to think of it as normal and that's Mm -hmm. something i try to tell people it's not normal even though it feels normal even though you think you don't have a problem there actually is an issue here that needs addressing. And so that's one of the hardest things to get people to recognise there is a problem and right. it needs addressing.
1: And I think that's where the, the need for as well the organisation to bring this at the at the forefront from a safety standpoint, from a wellness standpoint, becomes really important. Yes. So let's pivot to some of the strategies to improve sleep. You shared one around when you're traveling to, to, to have some, some tape to be able to, to make sure the room is dark. What what are some of the, the strategies that you teach in your programs to help somebody become a better master at, at, at sleep?
2: Well, the first thing is to see sleep as a must-have. <laughs> Instead of a nice to have. So I think people don't have enough of a healthy perspective on how important quality sleep is. And I would um, say that the first thing needs to be an acknowledgement of how important it is because once you have that, then you can start connecting with why you want to get great sleep. Sure. And of course those two things are are kind of interconnected. But unless we have a strong connection to why we want to get great sleep, we're not going to win the battle with the creature of habit that makes us do the same thing over and over and over again and continue getting mediocre or poor sleep. Like there's Mm -hmm. already anyone listening to this, the creature of habit inside you is is standing on guard and saying, (laughs) you know, none of this stuff's going to work for me. Whatever she says, it's not going (laughs) to (laughs) work. Or I don't want to do that even before I speak. And so you've (laughs) got to be aware that this battle has already started and Mm -hmm. will will be there for for a month as you Mm. incorporate new patterns of behavior, um, even a new mindset, you have to do battle. And
1: Mm.
2: in order to begin to win that battle, you've got to have a why. And I say to people, how do you want to feel when you wake up in the morning? And how do you want to feel as you engage with the people in your life, the people you love, how you are able to perform at work and how you're able to contribute in the world? How Mm -hmm. do you want to feel? And so when you can get in touch with that, And then come to a place of saying, you know what, I want to be fully alive. I want my brain to work as well as it can work. You know, I want super brain powers and I want endless energy. And I want the ability to be patient and to be able to listen and to be able to communicate clearly. To be able to keep a long-term perspective when I'm making decisions for myself, for my family, for my colleagues for my company we have to really have a strong why in order to make any changes so that would be sure. my first yep suggestion the second suggestion is around your relationship with light we mm-hmm. have a segment of our brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus Mm -hmm. And this part of our brain actually regulates our sleep-wake cycle. And the main environmental cues that trigger the sleep-wake cycle are light and temperature. And so when we are exposed to full-spectrum light, that signal from the environment is read through brain cells that are in our eyes called retinal ganglion cells. And those brain cells in our eyes send a signal to the suprachiasmatic nucleus and say, hey, it's time to wake up. And then the suprachiasmatic nucleus says to the adrenal cortex, start making cortisol our cortisol isn't just a stress hormone it's an energy hormone and it also is a regulating hormone it's an activating hormone it's actually very good for us in the right quantities at the right time so we need this signal of light we also need to increase our body temperature to switch on in the morning Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: in the evening we need the signal of darkness which is also read by these retinal ganglion cells and this signal sent to the SCN, okay, stop making cortisol and start making melatonin. Darkness is the best sleeping pill. I'm going to repeat that. Mm. Darkness is the best and really the only sleeping pill we should use long-term. Mm -hmm. to signal to our body to start making the hormones that we need to get good quality sleep. And this Mm -hmm. is true for people of all ages and children. All humans need this view of darkness and then coolness, the opposite to the morning, coolness. The body needs to cool down in order to sleep well. So overheated Rooms or overheated beds are just going to make you frustrated and your body won't be able to fall asleep. So those are my, if, if everyone followed this advice, mm-hmm. everyone's quality and length of sleep would improve. And it's simple, but it's tricky because we're living in a time where our evenings are polluted by artificial mm-hmm. light now. And the amount of sleep we've gotten globally has declined since artificial light started polluting our evenings. In 1942, the average sleep adults got on the planet was 7.9 hours a night.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Now it's 6.5 and decreasing every year. The last time that was measured was actually pre-COVID. So... In the surveys I'm doing, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: my estimate is it's down to six already as an average. And we need 7.5 to nine hours, depending on who we are. The average is around eight to be well mentally and physically. Children and teenagers need much more than that. 90% 90% hmm. of teenagers are sleep-deprived. This is a problem that is yet to be acknowledged and yet to be addressed. I plan on addressing it in the next few years with my sleep kit for teens. I've already got a sleep kit for kids. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, everything I'm saying applies to people of
1: all ages. Interesting. And, and These are all techniques that people can easily implement Uh, And I think it also links back to what you were talking about, the tape when you're traveling to make sure you've got a dark environment. Is there something as well about when you talk about artificial light, people are watching TV more and more using their computers um, and and which has, which from, from everything I've read stimulates and and also counteracts what we're trying to do in the hours before sleep.
2: Yeah. So as I said, When we get the opposite cue to what the body needs, so the body needs Mm -hmm. darkness, and when we have this very bright light being read by these brain cells in our eyes, these retinal ganglion cells, they're getting the opposite signal to what they need. And so it confuses everything, and it inhibits the production of melatonin, which melatonin should start being produced... Quite a while before we go to sleep, whereas people are taking their phones to bed, right? And they're sending this light signal. And so, one of the things people say to me when they come to me for help, um, they say, is, I just don't get tired in the night, I just don't get tired, mm. I don't feel sleepy. I say, Well, what are you doing? <laughs> and so, it's always something that involves light, whether it's a screen, whether it's just, I mean, generally, it's a screen, mm-hmm. but we need to understand what's happening physiologically, not just our screens aren't good for us, but understand that when you're doing that, but understand that when you're doing that, that you are confusing your body and messing with your body chemistry. And so when you do eventually get to sleep, it's light sleep. And yes, there's some things you can do. You can wear good quality blue light blocking glasses. Um, One of the things that I suggest is setting an electronic sundown time
1: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, and and having that be something that everyone in the house adheres to so that parents are, you know, setting an example. So you have a box and all the phones get put into the box. Anyone letting (laughs) a teenager or a child take their phone or device into their bedroom it's, it's one of the most disastrous and unloving things that a parent can do. Um, that sounds very judgmental, but it's true because it's interrupting mm. their development at such a deep level. And it's just like sending an alcoholic into a room with a bottle of scotch. You know, they don't have control and they're severely really? addicted. So they'll tell you they're not on it, but
1: I can tell you they are. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, so, you do a lot of programs for organizations. You coach work people with people one on one. If somebody's interested in learning more, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Great. So, through my website, Sleep Well and Thrive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or you can just contact me through LinkedIn, Anna Devena they're the two best places to get in touch with me and you can read about my corporate programs on my website and there's lots of testimonials from different companies that have worked with me and, um, yeah, there's lots of information there. So.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I think it's a really important topic and definitely one that's been top of mind with, with the pandemic. Lots of articles have talked about this, but I think it's important for organizations to, as you propose, really, Look at it seriously in terms of their wellness programs, their safety programs, um, looking at their decision making, how different decisions around shifts, uh, around overtime can impact um, restful sleep, but also provide tools for team members around this. So thank you so much for, for coming to share your thoughts on this.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Elevate your safety. Like every successful athlete, top leaders continuously invest in their safety leadership with an expert coach to boost safety performance. Begin your journey at execsafetycoach.com. Come back in two weeks for the next episode with your host, Eric Macrowski. This podcast is powered by Propolo Consulting.